Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 2 tonight. Went home this afternoon. We had lunch and enjoyed my lunch. And I got that out. And uh, I said, you know what? I I know what I'm preaching tonight, so I'm just going to go and enjoy a good long nap. And woke up and I started looking over the message, and God said, I've changed my mind. And I said, I wish you'd have told me about two hours ago. But he said, just suck it up, buttercup. And uh, so, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number... God don't talk to y'all like that. He talks to me that way, I reckon. But Ephesians chapter number 2, we actually quoted a little bit of it this morning, or read some of it. Uh, we read over there in verse number 8, and uh, we said, For by grace are you saved, and uh, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is... The gift of God, but uh, tonight we're going to be in verse number 11. And uh, if I if I can, I'm going to get all the way down to verse number 18. But I want to read uh, down through verse number 13. And uh, I'll, I'll pick up reading here in just a moment. But uh, um, I had uh, a few minutes just to kind of scribble some stuff down. And so I'm going to kind of give you my introduction and then our text. Uh, but throughout this week, especially leading up to the um, the nursing home, uh, my heart has really been on that song. Brother David has sang it several times. He came to me. And um, I'm sure I've sang it in church at some point or another. I, I never can remember if I have or not. But every time I try to sing it, uh, I hear it one way, and then the whole first verse kind of, blows apart because I'm hearing something that I don't think is there. And then when I hear other people sing it, um, they're not singing it the way I'm hearing it. And, it, and so it messes me up. And uh, so I planned on singing it at the nursing home the other day. And Nathan, you and I got together and uh, I said, does this sound right? And he said, it sounds good to me, but I, I really didn't trust his opinion. And so I just didn't sing it. And uh, so still that, that song has really been on my heart. But more than the song, Brother Samuel, the message has been on my heart. And uh, this morning I told some of the men as I was preparing or finished, uh, got ready for church this morning, I I went outside and didn't realize how cold it was. So I went outside and I was going to kind of go over my message outside walking down the road. It was too cold for me and so I come on back inside but... Uh, as I was as I was walking, as I was praying, just for maybe a period of maybe four or five minutes, um, I said, "Lord, I really would like to preach on the thought He came to me, uh, and and I really thought I was going to be in John chapter number one, and I'll mention that in just a moment, but I, I just couldn't get any peace there. Uh, but all all week I've I've been down in the basement. I've got a little keyboard in the basement, and I've been upstairs and I've played it on." on the piano, and I've, I've tried to sing it here and there. I think on Thursday before uh, we left to go to the nursing home, 
uh, Braylon heard me upstairs from the basement and saying, Daddy, you were singing loud. I said, I know, and it was getting good uh, in the basement. I don't know if y'all got an office in your basement where you meet and study to prepare sermons, but if you ever get a, a chance to do that in your basement, I'm telling you, sometimes it'll just plumb slap get thick and heavy and real down there. So I, 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 this, this song has been on my heart, and, and I'm not going to sing it tonight, so don't, don't, don't get that way, uh, don't think that way. But um, as I, I began to, to think about this, I told you over in John chapter number 1, the very first verse that came to my mind was in verse number 11 and verse number 12 of the book of John. Chapter number one, he says, he came unto his own, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, he came to me and so I was trying to to fit a message in 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 that and it just was not working and and I learned a long time ago you can you can bend a uh, a text to fit your message but it's going to blow up at some point and so uh, I just couldn't get any peace on there but as I was um sitting down this afternoon looking over the message that I had prepared for tonight uh, the my mind began to think about several words, and and those words were partition, and enmity, and nigh, and I thought, my goodness, uh, I know where that's at, and and I, I remember Ephesians chapter number two, and so we're in Ephesians chapter number two tonight. And I want to read verse number 11, 12, and 13, and then if we can, we'll get a little bit further tonight. But verse number 11 in Ephesians chapter number 2 says, Wherefore remember that being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hand. So, Paul, he is, he is speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he, he says, Now, remember, church, you are Gentiles, and you are uncircumcised in the flesh. He's speaking, he's speaking real to them. He said, you are not circumcised, okay? We as adults understand that terminology. We know what that means. All right, spiritually that means that they are they are outside of God, okay? They are they do not belong to God, all right? But he says that you were called the uncircumcised by those that were called the circumcised. In other words, we have the Jews and the Gentiles. And he says the Gentiles called y'all uncirc or the Jews called you uncircumcised. He says I need you to remember that. He says and I need you to remember this in verse number 12. <laughs> he says, remember that at that time, that at that time ye were without Christ. I need about three people to say amen. You don't even know what I'm about to say, but go ahead and say amen. He says, I need you also, we're, we're piggybacking off of verse number 11, the first two words, wherefore remember that at that time ye were without Christ. I'm glad to stand before you tonight Knowing that I were some things, that I was some things, that I used to be some things that I am no longer. Amen. He says, remember that at that time ye were without Christ. 
He says, remember that ye were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We're not talking about big-eyed, green, bald, bow-legged alien. We're not talking about that. We're talking about those people that did not belong to the people of Israel, okay? He says, and you are strangers from the covenants of promise. God did not make any covenants with the Gentiles. He was making covenants with Israel, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with the the people with the inhabitants that that were of his descendants. He says, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, notice that it says in verse number 12 that at that time ye were without Christ. But verse 13 says, but now in Christ ye who sometimes were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ. Let's pray and then get into the message. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray now that you'd help us to preach your word. God, I pray that you'd give us strength in our bodies. I pray that you'd help us to, Lord, give us clarity of mind and speech. Lord, I pray that we can do honor to you and to your word tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We try to preach on this thought tonight. He came to me. The songwriter, this is Squire Parsons, he says, The gulf that separated me from Christ, my Lord, it was so vast the crossing I could never ford. From where I was to His domain, it seemed so far. But I cried, Dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. But He came to me. I'm thankful today that, you know, in Luke chapter, is it chapter number 15? Uh, Luke chapter 15, I believe it is, talks about that prodigal son. Brother Kurt preached there last Sunday night, I believe it was. Uh, or excuse me, chapter 16, rather. Uh, the uh, I just wanted to give you a plug about preaching. Luke chapter 16, I preached there last Sunday morning uh, about that, uh, that rich man in hell. And Abraham said, there's a gulf fixed between me and thee. And at that time, uh, paradise and hell, there was, they were in the same location, but there was a, a gulf, there was a division between the two. And the songwriter says that there was a, a great gulf that separated me between, or there was a great gulf but that separated me and Christ and the sinner in Christ. And, 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 and he says, I could not go to where he was, but he came to me. He said, that's why he died on Calvary. When I could not come to to where he was, he came to me. Then he says in verse number 2, he came to me when I was bound in chains of sin. He came to me when I possessed no hope within. He picked me up and he drew me gently to his side, where today in his sweet love I now abide. Now at the end of this thing, I'm going to give you these words again, but I believe somewhere along the line, Mr. Squire Parsons must have read, uh, if Ephesians chapter number 2, because there are too many uh, correlations between the wording of chapter number 2 and the writings here of He Came to Me uh, to prove otherwise. I believe somewhere along the line, old brother Squire Parsons uh, got under the spout where the glory came out. I believe somewhere down the line, uh, he got plumb, plugged in to that uh, that Christ that, that truly did come to him. I believe somewhere down 
down the line, old Squire Parsons uh, truly met the Lord. And he had a he had not just an event, but he had a life-changing event in his life. And I'm glad how that his life testifies of that. And we sing this song, and he says, he came to me. Oh, he came to me when I could not come to where he was. He came to me. Uh, this evening, I want you to notice, first of all, we're speaking of he came to me. First of all, when I was without hope, look with me back in verse number 11 and verse number 12. Uh, we see, first of all, a couple uh, things that we need to define. He says, wherefore, remember that being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, you were called uncircumcised by that which is called circumcision. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the hope, uh, from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. I want us to look at this phrase, having no hope, and let's define it just for a moment, just three little words, having no hope. How the little word having, it means to possess. And notice what he said here uh, in the writings that uh, in verse number two, he came to me when I possessed. Uh, he says he came to me when I possessed. And when you look at the words of Paul, he says that we had no hope. We possessed. And then he uses the word known. And I gave this to you just a few weeks ago. And the word know here, it means absolute denial. Uh, this is not a maybe. This is not a might. Uh, this is not a it could happen. Uh, but this is no. This is an absolute denial. And then the word hope. The word hope here is the word that means expectation or confidence of a good outcome. So if I can put it together in a sentence, maybe how that might explain it. He says that we, having no hope and without God in the world, it means that our only possession was an absolute denial of any expectation of good. And the writer says uh, that he came to me when I was bound in chains of sin. He came to me when I possessed no hope within. Listen to me, honey. Uh, there was nothing within me uh, that ever, ever hoped uh, that I could get to where I was as a 12-year-old boy to where he was. But I'm glad to report to you tonight uh, that in the depths of my sin and in the rags of my sin, as righteous that I may have thought that I was, I'm glad tonight that he came to me even when I had absolutely no possession of any any recollection, any hope, any desire, and not desire, but any way of finding some some uh, expectation of reaching heaven or reaching God or having faith in Christ. I'm glad that he came to me. Amen. I, I love that little word, no, absolute denial. We, we have our children, we, they ask us things, and a lot of times we'll say, not right now. We'll say maybe, or I don't know. Man, you can, sometimes you can see their countenance fall when you say no. I mean, just absolutely, just pooch lip comes out, eyebrows drop down, shoulders drop down. I mean, absolute defeat. <laughs> and that's the way we work. 
We had no other, we had no other condition to be had other than, than absolute denial. There was nothing that we could do. Uh, Eric, there was absolutely no way. He says having no hope, there was no expectation of good of getting to God outside of Christ. He says that we were hopeless. We were hopeless. I want us to notice though, I want us to notice as we go on, he says, having no hope and without God in the world. Look with me at verse number 13. I want us to notice the difference here. We're still on point number one. I want us to notice the differences. But now in Christ, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. I don't even know where I'm going to go with this. I've just got some of these words written and underlined. But I want you to see it. Notice the differences. We're talking about uh, having, possess, no absolute denial, hope, expectation, or confidence of a good outcome. I gave you this sentence. Our only possession was an absolute denial of any expectation of good. So notice his differences in verse number 13. First of all, but now. The word now means at this very moment. We mentioned this just, a minute, just, just this morning. Now is the appointed time. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. At this very moment. He says, but now, note the, the second word, in. In Christ Jesus. We gave you two instances, one in the, in the book, in the Gospel of John, and one in the Epistle of John, where he uses that word hath. In other words, you have. There is a possession. Oh goodness gracious. What, what did the word hope mean? The expectation or confidence of a good outcome. What did having mean? A possession. We had no possession. But now in Christ we have, we have, we do possess something. Not something, but someone. And I'm glad, Nathan, as we possess him, he possesses us. Can somebody say amen right there? So it says, but now... He just painted this dim picture. We're called Gentiles. We're called uncircumcised. He said we were without Christ. We were outside of Christ. We did not belong. We could not get to Him. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers from the covenant. They were not even given to us as unbelievers, as infidels. We had no hope. We were we were without God in this world. But now, at this this very moment we are in, we are in Christ Jesus. Ye who sometimes were far off, notice this next word, are. Direct opposite of were. You were, now you are. Not you will be. You were, now you are. (laughs) But that's not where it stops. He says, but now in Christ Jesus. 
He says, you were afar off. But now, he says, you are made nigh. This is that fourth word here. I want you to look at verse 13. Nigh. This, this word nigh, it allows access to God. It allows communion with God. We've got to turn over a few books over to uh, Hebrews chapter number 4 uh, and look at this. Brother Jody, I think on Tuesday night, mentioned uh, some of this in Hebrews 4, 14, 15, and 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. I'm glad it didn't say Paul the Apostle. I'm glad it didn't say John the Baptist. I'm glad it didn't say Moses, the parter of the the Red Sea. I'm glad it didn't say the psalmist David, but I'm glad to say, I'm glad it says that the Son of God, I'm glad it said that Jesus is the one. He says, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Now, I know sometimes we get a little confused about some of the language here. What this says is we have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You agree with that? Say amen. amen. He says, but was in all points tempted like as we... Here's that word, are, again. Not were, but are. This is similar to that word is, the present tense. Like as we are. We, we talk about our kids, and, 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 and rightly so, but we talk about our kids and we say, well, we need to have a little patience with them. They're dealing with things that we've never had to deal with. They're dealing with temptations that we never had to deal with. And, and you're probably right. They probably are. I'm not trying to be hard on our young folks tonight. But I want you to know, whether that statement is true or whether it's not, in the perpetual present tense, whatever temptation our young folks or adults for that matter are being tempted with, Christ was tempted the same. Let's keep reading. Yet without sin. Yet without sin. I'm glad, Brother Jody, that that, those three, yet without sin, I'm glad those three little words were in there. Because if they were not in there, then as our little feeble minds would say, well, if he was tempted with things like this, surely he, he, surely he would have fell under this type of temptation. Yet without sin. Verse number 16. Let us therefore, this little word therefore, this little word therefore, you gotta look up and, and as the old saying goes, you gotta figure out what it's there for. He says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In time of need. I love this. He uses the word grace several times here. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace. Where are we going to find grace? At the throne, in the throne, and on the throne. At the th- Brother David always likes to give you a little bone, so I'm going to tell you, there's some, I don't know what you could do with that, but there's something right there. At the throne, in the throne, and on the throne. You can find grace to help in time of need. This 
in chapter number 2, verse number 13. He says, sometimes, sometimes you are far off, you're made nigh by the blood of Christ. This word nigh, this admits us to the favor of God. Some of y'all went to the, to the fair the other day. Before you can get into the fair, y'all help me. Before you can get into the fair, you had to go through this, unless they've changed, you had to go through this big area. And before you can go through that, you had to pay an admission. Well, you can go in. Now, you can, you, you can play around in the parking lot all you want to. But if you wanted to go in, you had to pay an admission. Before we could go in, there had to be about to run. Before we could go in, Hunter, there, before we could go into heaven, before we could get admission to heaven, there had to be an admission paid. You could turn your pockets inside out, upside down. You could do whatever, and you, you could not pay it. You could not pay. Benny, you could not pay it. But I promise you, before the foundations of the world, the Lamb of God was slain as the admission for you and I. He's the one. And may I dare say, He's the only one that could pay the admission for all of us. I'm glad that He came to me. Amen. He came to me this evening. So, we see, I don't know if you're taking notes, there he is. Uh, he came to me when I was without hope. And then, oh, can't turn. I am not used to having paper stuff. I've, it's giving me all sidetracked. Number two, when I was separated from him. Y'all still with me? Got the air conditioner on, y'all okay? Alright, I was about to have a heat stroke up here. I had to, I had to preach and turn the air conditioner on. Somebody say amen right there. I only saw about three people fanning, but I was about to break out my own song book and fan up him. Number two, when I was separated from him. We're down now at 14. We didn't read this as our text, but we're going on now. Verse 14. For he is our peace. Now, I don't want to get outside of the, the, the context of my message tonight. But tonight when you pillow your head and you're dealing with anxiety and you're dealing with some things, I want you to know we mentioned it in passing that this word are in this, in these previous verses is the same as this word is, the perpetual present tense. At any moment he is our peace. He is our peace. And so tonight or tomorrow or a year from now, when you need peace, I want you to know you can find it in Christ. Who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. This both, I, I, I gotta, I gotta make the correlation here. This both is, is talking about that Jew and that Gentile. He's talking about that one that is nigh to God and that one that is cast away from God. He is talking about the commonwealth of Israel and those that were outside of that. He's talking about those that was with God and the ones that was without God. He said he has now made both nigh 
uh, both, uh, uh, what does he say? Uh, he has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having a, abolished in his flesh the enmity, hey, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of uh, twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body. Now, I know I want to spend an hour on reconcile tonight. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm skimming right over it tonight. He says, both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. Let's go back to a little bit, the, uh, the last point of this morning about evangelizing the world. You want to know how he preached to those that were far off and those that were nigh? People went and people told. You know, we got people here, Nathan was telling me, somebody he worked with, and uh, he, was, he was trying to trying to witness to him a little bit, and he had no idea. My understanding right, he had no idea about some of the terminology uh, that's used in churches, and about the Holy Ghost, and, and about the drawing of the Holy Ghost. There's people that we walk by every day that have no idea of what kind of God we serve, and who He really is. Uh, they think, many of them still think that He's some fairy tale uh, that cannot be touched, and, and they think think that he's some fairy tale that cannot be addressed. But I'm here to report to you tonight, though we may not be able to touch him, I'm glad that he can touch us. Though we may not be able to reach him physically, I'm glad that he came to us. Though we may not be able to hear him audibly, I'm glad that he hears us when we bow and we begin to pray. I'm glad, listen to me tonight, I'm glad that when, when though I can hear him, I can read his word and I can feel the breath of God flowing from the pages of His Word. Tonight I want you to know that God is real tonight. I don't know who said amen, but amen, little fella, little girl, whoever it was. Where am I at? I done got sidetracked. Verse number 17. Preach to those that were far off and to them that were not. For through Him... We both have access by one spirit unto, <laughs> unto for the purpose. When you see that word unto, very often it is for the purpose. Notice, like I, I, rabbit, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father, for the purpose of the Father. The reason that Christ came was not for Himself, but it was for the benefit of the Father. (laughs) The reason that Christ came was not for the benefit necessarily of mankind, but it was to please the Father. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm glad tonight that God so loved the world uh, that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever uh, believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. I'm glad tonight that God loves us. But do you understand tonight uh, that God has a design? God has a desire and a will and a determined will. And you, 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 mankind are in it. And when you, mankind, decide to go away from God, and to deny God. God loves you so much that He'll let you make that decision and die in that decision. But I want you to know that God desires that all men come to Him for His glory. 
Not for your glory. When you got saved a few years ago, that wasn't for Kurt's glory. That was for God's glory. When you stand and you begin to cry and weep and praise the Lord because of what God's done for you, it's not to lift you up. It's to lift Him up. December 10th, when you stand and you start talking about all the dregs of sin that you were in, it's not to lift you up, but rather to lift Him up. Listen tonight, when we start thinking about the desire and the will of God, it is all because it's going to give glory to Him. So, number two tonight. He came to me when I was separated from Him. From Him. Let's look. I just got a couple things here. Verse 14, for here's our peace, who hath made both one, I told you about that, who hath broken down the middle wall of partition. Brother Kurt, we ain't got there yet in our study about the tabernacle. But I got a feeling we will. Brother Kurt and Brother Ashton, myself, we're, we're in one Bible study, and then the Dubair family, they're in another one down at Brother Aaron McCauley's. Some of the studies are lining up. Y'all are dealing with hermeneutics. I still got a study. I can't even say the word. <clears throat> hermeneutics. We're dealing, on this side, we're dealing with the tabernacle. And I'm wanting to preach about the boards of the tabernacle. Abby? Have you ever read about the boards of the tabernacle? It's one of the most boring things you'll ever read. But when you start studying them, honey child, I was sitting in my office the other day, and if you ain't ever been to the nursing home, you don't know what I'm talking about. But I was sitting in my office, had my headphones on, I was listening to Brother Kerry Nelson. He was, he's supposed to be teaching, but he's just like every other good Baptist preacher. He preaches... And before I knew it, I said, you talking right. I'm talking about, I was out, man, I was about to shout. Didn't even have my choir robe on, but I was kicking. I mean, I was, woo. And this study, this study about the tabernacle, we're only about five weeks into it. And this, this past week, this current week right now, dealing with the boards and goodness gracious alive. He talks about this, this middle wall of partition. And he says, first of all, that he, he broke down. The, the word broke, it means to loose what is built together. To demolish or to destroy. So as far as the earth is concerned, as far as things that may be built with with earth and clay and rock, it is to loose what is built together. But in the instance of something that is made by textile, something that is sewn, something that is woven together, it, it, <laughs> it gives the implication that it has been torn asunder. <laughs> And and in, it says it is to demolish or to destroy. So he says that he broke down this middle wall of partition. 
And so as you look at the temple, not necessarily the tabernacle, but the temple, there was a wall that was built in the temple uh, that separated the Jews and the believing Gentiles. Even though the Gentiles wanted to believe in Jehovah, they still did not want to fellowship with them. They still did not want that communication with them. They came in a separate door. They left a separate door. They did not acknowledge that they were there. It sounds a whole lot like America back in the 50s and 60s and beyond. It sounds a whole lot like, well, well, we can't even deal with that. But it sounds a whole lot like America's dark history is what it sounds like to me. But what did Christ do? He broke down that middle wall of partition. So what He did is He tore down that wall that separated the Jew and the Gentile. And in doing so, He gave both access to the same thing. Another part of the temple, and, and, and I'll just, well, I'm not even going to turn over there. I'll give you the reference. Matthew 27, 51. This is speaking a little bit further into the temple. This is that temple going, or this is that, that veil that was going into the Holy of Holies. Jesus also, when He died, the Bible says in Matthew 27, when He died, when He gave up the ghost, that the veil of the temple was rent in two, rent in twain from the top to the bottom, giving whoop. Giving us access to God. We didn't, we no longer had to go to God through man. We no longer had to keep the law to go to God because the law, though it was our schoolmaster as Galatians says, now we could go to God through grace that had been applied to us. So, we look next. Verse number 15. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. So, I want us to look at this word abolished. It means, quickly, it means to render idle. And I love this. What, what's being abolished? In his flesh, the enmity. Now, we'll get to enmity in just a moment. But before we get there, we've got to look at this word abolished. And it means to render idle, and I love this, to make it un. Employed to make it useless. I've been unemployed before. And thankfully it was, it was kind of early. Well, there was, there was a time just several, about seven or eight years ago, I guess, when, when I was unemployed. I left one company and went to another with promises of big things and then saw that they were doing some things that just didn't, wasn't only up and up. And ended up losing my job. And so there was a period of a couple of weeks that I was unemployed. And I felt useless. Felt absolutely useless. But Christ, it says, having abolished in His, what's it say? In His flesh, the enmity. The word abolished means to render idle, unemployed, inactive or inoperative. It's describing something that will soon come. It means to cause, to cease, to put an end to, to do away with, to 
annul. So Christ in his flesh put an end to our next thought, the enmity. The word enmity, it is not the word enemy, though it plays a, a, pivotal, a pivotal part in the definition. The word enmity means opposition, hostility, or hatred. It describes one who is an adversary, one who is an enemy, or one who is a foe. So if we can put that in context, before Christ came to you and I, we were at enmity with God, or we were a foe of God because our father was the devil. We were a child of disobedience, as he says in, in Ephesians chapter, I think in chapter number 2, verse number 2. We were children of disobedience. We were a foe. We were an enemy. We were an adversary of God. But because he came to us, and in his own flesh, Brother Jody, he abolished. He made no use that enmity between himself. In us. He made it unemployed. He made it to cease. He put an end to it. We can go on and we can see that he, in verse number, that was verse number 15, I believe it is. He contained in the ordinance for to make himself twain one new man. We can go over to 2 Corinthians and, and we can talk about that we became a new creature in Christ. Verse 16, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain again, slain the enmity thereby, and came, he came to me, and preached peace to you that were far off, and to them that were not. For through him we both, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. The word both in verse 14, and the word both in verse number 18, is still talking about the Jew and the Gentile. Still talking about you and I, and those that were the children of the promise. The children of Abraham, if I could say it like that. He said, we're on level ground. And the reason that we're on level ground is because of what Christ done at Calvary. I'm glad tonight that He came to me. I'm glad this evening that He came to you. The songwriter said there in verse number 2, got to read it again. He came to me when I was bound in chains of sin. He came to me when I possessed no hope within. He picked me up and drew me gently to His side. We, we got it. I can't go. Where today in His sweet love I now abide. He came to me. He says, when I could not come to where He was, He came to me. That's... Why he died on Calvary. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. I'm thankful this evening that Christ loved. I mentioned earlier that God so loved the world. The verses there in John chapter number 1. We, 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 I told you I wanted to be over in verse number 11 and verse number 12. Uh, he came unto his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. But we gotta go back and look at those first couple. In the beginning, 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. The same was in the beginning with God. We look over at John's epistle and we look at 1 John chapter number 3 and we see this thing is just absolutely blooming with the love. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Then we look at chapter number 4. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God Send His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God loved us, but guess what? All the way back at the beginning, when I say God, I mean God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. When they said, let us make man in our image... I'm glad that they saw something in us that we could never see in ourselves. 